Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Bet on Chicago. My name is Joey Christopoulos. Today's episode is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. And look, if you're into sports betting, BetOnline is where you should go to win money today, whether it's live bets during games or futures for who you think will win the next championship. BetOnline has all the latest odds, news, and information for all your online sports betting needs. So what are you waiting for? Visit the website today or use your mobile device right now to join and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So before the next big game, head on over to BetOnline and start playing today. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for coming back into the pod. This is a sequel, baby. This is Godfather Part 2. It is our second installment of our fantasy football preview for the 2021 season. We are talking wide receivers, tight ends, maybe a little defenses today with my fantasy consigliere, my tutty guy, my best bro, Davis Sproley. Hello, Dave. Joey, I'm so happy to be back. Here we are. We're back in it. We're talking wide receivers, Dave. And honestly, I think this is the category that we relish and want to talk about the most. Quarterbacks, it gets a little ho-hum. We know who the cream of the crop is. We know who the kind of the solid middle players are. Yeah, and running backs were going to be totally wrong. Yeah, I was going to say, running backs just scare us. I mean, because you got to get that right. That is the one thing you have to get correct. But wide receivers is when it gets fun, baby. And that's when you can look smart as a fantasy football player, so let's dive right into it. Dave, this first game that we're going to play here is a little bit about, now everyone knows who the wide receiver ones are in a lot of teams, but some of these outfits, they're going to be a wide receiver two that's going to rise up there, get some of that target shares and some of those yards while the other guy's getting double teamed. So let's kind of sift through it a little bit and see who that guy is and whether we like their value. Let's start with the Arizona Cardinals, Dave. Um, Really interesting. Larry Fitzgerald, as of right now, still retired. And again, time stamping this. This is August 24th on a Tuesday, so a lot can change. But DeAndre Hopkins, career season last year, him and Kyler Murray are BFFs. But the question is, Dave, who do you think that number two wide receiver is going to be? Is it old man A.J. Green? Is it my boy, my man to see Rondale Moore? What do you say? Speaking of scares, I think it is going to be the ghost of A.J. Green. I think that's weirdly who they paid a decent amount of money for a free agent wide receiver to get. I think he's totally washed. I think he looked really bad last year in Cincinnati, but doesn't matter what I think. It just matters what Cliff Kingsbury thinks. And from all the buzz at camp, it sounds like he really likes AJ green. Sounds like Kyler Murray really likes AJ green, which makes a lot of sense. Like even if he's just, a decoy or someone to take a little bit of that heat off of DeAndre Hopkins. I think it will benefit this offense. I think Deion, uh, when all said and done, Adre green will be second in targets. I think Christian Kirk and your boy Rondell Moore are going to kind of be subbing out in the slot or in like four wide receiver sets, which they do run a decent amount of. Now, do I think that's going to mean anything in fantasy? No, not unless you're in a very deep league. If you're asking me who the number two is, it's AJ Green. Yeah, I'm with you, man. And you you said the buzzword there, targets. I see a play the first three weeks of the season where they're force feeding him the ball, right? Or, you know, those those quick little button hooks. They're just trying to force it to him and maybe a defender knocks it down and they get off the field. I think it could kind of mess their offense a little bit. I don't know if AJ Green is the missing piece. So I'm with you. I don't know if I like the value. I honestly I don't think I'm gonna draft the dude at all because 
you know, he could be second on the team in targets, but still, you know, only finished with maybe 700 yards and maybe only like three or four touchdowns all season. That's not going to get it done. I love Rondale Moore. He's he's going to be late, Dave. I'm going to take him late, and everyone's going to go, who is that guy? I love that guy. I can't wait to watch him play. But, again, rookie coming into the new system, not going to get a lot of looks. He's going to have to make some explosive plays to sort of make that happen. Dave, who do we got next on the list? I'm going to throw it to you, Joey, because literally next on the list is – I know. I know. Okay, so here's the deal, right? In part one – and Dave's brought this up before. This is very, very, very fair. And you know what? I'm not even going to defend it because I don't give a fuck. Um, <laughs> I don't draft Green Bay Packers, okay? I don't, I don't do it. Uh, when I send Dave, we send each other our pet RB tiers every year just to see where our head's at, who we like, who we don't like. I don't even put Aaron Jones on the list. I just say screw it because I'm not going to take him. There's no point about thinking about it. So let's talk about the Packers. And to be honest, Devontae Adams – he is, I think, one of the most surefire, easy first-round wide receiver picks that we've probably seen in the last couple of years. Even a DeAndre Hopkins taking him in the first round this year, I'd be a little bit squeamish about. But Devontae Adams, his connection with Aaron Rodgers, it's undeniable. In the red zone, they are unstoppable. When the dude's on the field, he scores touchdowns, he catches big passes. But my question for you, Dave, is who's going to be their wide receiver two on that team? I don't think it matters. And I don't think it's going to be anybody like, I think it's going to change week to week as it did last season. I think we're going to see the same carousel of wide receivers one week. It's Marquez Valdez Scantling one week. It's Aquinemius St. Brown coming out of the woodwork again. One week it's Randall Cobb who, who they made sure they went out and signed Alan Lazar. I mean, good luck trying to figure this out. Honestly, I think it's going to be Aaron Jones. I think he's going to be second in, in the team in targets. Third might be Tunyon if he kind of takes a step forward. But I think good luck trying to figure this out. I wouldn't draft anyone not named Devontae Adams. And I do want to say, as a caveat, to what you're saying about drafting Packers, I learned something about myself last year, Joey. And that's what I like about fantasy. It sometimes it teaches you something about who you are. And I learned that I am just a little more of a fantasy football player than I am a Bears fan. Something <laughs> happened in me. I, I, maybe it's I like money and talking shit on my buddies and getting that championship belt more yeah. than I like Chicago sports, which is a lot. But I must really like money because something happened in one of our drafts last year where Devontae Adams was still there in the middle of the second round and it was my pick and i was just like oh god am i am i am i gonna do this and i was like but i literally think he's gonna end up as the number one overall wide receiver i took him and he did and i'll tell you what i tried it out it's like taking a little test drive i wanted to try out the car you know my whole life joey i've been driving a 1996 cavalier with no windows and AC, okay? I wanted to just see what it's like on okay. the other side in the Mercedes. Yeah, you slept over at your rich friend's house last week. Yeah. And you're like, what? <laughs> yeah, I was like, okay, look, after all these years of, of, of drafting the Bears, like, you know, Anthony Miller and stuff, and just being so disappointed in fantasy, I tried it out. It's pretty crazy. And I'll tell you what it did. Now, I'm not trying to convince you to draft Packers, Joey, because I love that you don't do it, and you be you, baby. But for me, 
what it does is it helps me take the edge off of Sundays. It's a win-win because when the Packers do well, normally I feel very sad. When the Bears do bad, I feel very sad and I take a sad nap. But then the Packers do well. I'm like angry and I'm like, fuck them. But also I'm like looking at my phone. I'm like, oh, I guess I just won my fantasy league. Not the worst, you know? So I just have to take like a 15 minute like power sad nap now. These are all very valid points, Dave. And to be completely objective about it, I really think, and Devontae Adams is in a contract year. I really think that his relationship on the field with Aaron Rodgers is, if it's not the best one-two combo in the NFL, I mean, it's it's right up there, man. I mean, maybe Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, maybe we can have some sort of debate about that. I just, you know, Devontae Adams, he can run every single route in the route tree. Aaron Rodgers can find him at any moment. They play off each other so perfectly. And honestly, I I wouldn't be I wouldn't shake my hand my head or wag my finger at anyone that honestly took Devontae Adams after you know the the Cook McCaffrey Kamara and maybe one other guy like if he went five or six in a draft I really don't think I'd be that upset he's really that dominant and the touchdowns followed up too as well yeah I think he reminds me of Antonio Brown three four years ago right just if you want like money in the bank, just like sign me up like that wide receiver who are just like, there's no way he's going to bust unless there's a catastrophic injury. I don't think there's a, there's a scenario where Devonte Adams doesn't finish outside the top three of wide receivers. I think he could, he could do what Antonio Brown did and continue to finish one, two, one, two, like a Kelsey. I mean, that's just that kind of consistency. You just can't buy. I want to get off the Packers because I feel gross right now. Let's talk about the Bills, Joey. I'm throwing this to you. Stephon Diggs, absolute target hog, came out of the woodwork. One of the reasons we love talking about wide receivers is because you got Stephon Diggs in the sixth round last year, and he probably won you your league had you done that. The position's so deep. This year, though, they go out, they sign Manny Sanders, who's like really old, didn't do that much for the Saints last year. Uh, I'm calling him Cole 19, Mr. Beasley, the bees knees, the anti-vaxxer rap God himself, <laughs> Cole Beasley. They don't really have a tight end. It's pretty good. <laughs> Who's second in targets and is he going to be fantasy relevant? You know, I don't know the way that I'm kind of looking at that for one, you know, I think drafting bills outside of Diggs and Josh Allen is going to be just incredibly difficult this year as much as I do like a guy like a Zach Moss out of their backfield they just sort of seem like there is one of those teams every single year that just sort of does it how they do it every single week it's a different person they have a big Patriots mentality right where it really gets kind of spread around a little bit offensively and Diggs is just kind of the main benefactor of that a thousand percent it's not going to be Cole Beasley the one thing that I will say about Emmanuel Sanders is if you're looking some for someone in the final couple rounds of your draft, maybe trying to take a flyer on someone. I'm not trying to advocate drafting Emmanuel Sanders, but I can't actually see him catching six touchdowns in this offense this year. You know, I don't think he's going to get really past 600 yards or anything like that, but there is a professional route running vibe with Emmanuel Sanders that I do like enough where I think that he could be someone that could thrive. And again, the only reason why I'm kind of pitching it like this is because I just think the bills are going to be really good this year. And when really good teams are out there in the NFL, you got to pay attention to the players on there because chances are they're going to be scoring points. They're going to be racking up yards. 
It's a little bit of that New Orleans Saints theory, just a little bit. We're going to get to them in a second, but every single year, even with Drew Brees, you know, even if you had your Marcus Colstons or your Michael Thomases of the world, they always had that second guy that you can kind of pick up and play every once in a while. And Dave, Robert Meacham, Robert Meacham, <laughs> our guy, our guy, and that that happens all the time too, as well. So, if I had to pick someone, it probably would be Emmanuel Sanders right now. But I'm, I don't know if I feel great about that in terms of finishing the year. They could always have someone that can come out of nowhere and do it as well. Let's move on, Dave, to another. Um, a team that you love. Oh, man, you love this team. Let's talk about the Las Vegas Raiders, baby. I do? Yeah, you do. You do. You love no, I them. Don't. No. I know. No. I mean, this, this team is really interesting, in my opinion, because Derek Carr last year actually had a pretty good year for Derek Carr. It was a pretty good Derek Carr year. And they got Darren Waller on this team. You've been a big advocate for him ever since he came in the league. You were on that train first about how much you liked him a whole lot. But then outside of that, Josh Jacobs, Kenyon Drake in the backfield. What's going on there? Where is this team going? What are they doing? Is their defense going to get any better? Can their offense take a step forward? Derek Carter's had a career season, even though offensively they weren't that great. Dave, who's not just the wide receiver two on the team? Who's the wide receiver one on that team? I don't think there is. I think it's Darren Waller. I mean, they treat him as a wide receiver, and he's going to lead the team in targets this year easily and probably have the most yards on the team. And probably be the only fantasy relevant factor uh, pass catcher. I am intrigued. I will say by Henry Ruggs, just because I feel like he's this experiment that didn't go very well, but they literally only ran him on go routes last year. I, I said in the last podcast, I like when my running backs lose a little weight, if they're bigger backs, I like skinny receivers who put on muscle in the off season and Henry Ruggs did, did just that. So there's that, but then there's like a mix of all these other guys, names of the past. John Brown is on the team. Uh, Brian Edwards, who was like going to be a thing, but like never really was, he was injured. I, I just don't love any of the options. It's going to be one of them. I, I, I cannot say with any confidence that, that I know who it's going to be, but if I'm making a dark throw, it's going to be Henry Ruggs. He's obviously the best pure receiver on the team. He was a great prospect. I think Gruden really messed up the pick, but maybe they utilize him a little better this year. Uh, well, let me give you a follow-up question. Yeah. Maybe this will help kind of distill it. You know, Take the players out of it. Is this Raiders team as it's currently constructed this year, from your fantasy perspective, if you walked in, they got to play the Chiefs twice. So from the Raiders' perspective, when they play the Chiefs, are you going to be excited to start Raiders players against them? Because, hey, this is going to be high scoring, baby. Or are you going to be like, this could get ugly. I don't really love this matchup. And maybe that's the answer to you know whether you should target Raiders wide receivers or not. Because I'd, I'd stay away. I'd look at that matchup and be like, oh, shit, the Chiefs might blow them out. And I don't know if I could trust Raiders players against them that week. Yeah, I I don't trust them. We talked about this off air a few times. I think the Raiders are going to challenge for the worst team in the league. I really do. Yeah, I I think they're going to be a six win or below type team. I just. I just think John Gruden is, is a, is a freaking clown, man. I, I think the guy's a joker. I think he's a much better uh, commentator than, than he is. 
coach in present day Tampa Bay years aside. Like, I just think the moves, every, every single draft he's been a part of the, you know, uh, Lewis Reddick and everyone have to like go through their notes when they make their draft pick. They're like, hold on, this guy's on page 12, you know, like, they just make weird selections. They did it again this year with the O-line pick. Like This guy's and, 15 years old. What are they doing? <laughs> the think Jack about thing. how good Ruggs' draft class was. Like all the wide receivers they passed up when they just selected Henry Ruggs is just insane now to think about. I, I, I don't want any part of this. Not named Darren Waller. I'm going to own a lot of Darren Waller this year and no other Raider. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Uh, let's hop over to the Saints. Because Dave, I, I'm really curious. I, I'm really curious to see what this Saints team looks like without Drew Brees. It was not a secret that Drew Brees wasn't in himself those last couple of years of his career. That arm strength went away, but still, like there was, there was a consistency and stability that he brought to that team that really allowed them to run their offense. That allowed Alvin Kamara to be the person that he needed to be. They have Adam Troutman got carted off the field last night. They were kind of banking on him to do some stuff this year. Doesn't look like they're going to have him around. So now it's Jameis Winston, Taysom Hill, and who? You know, how do you, I? if you're saying the Raiders are going to disappoint this year, I'm kind of on the board that the Saints are going to disappoint this year. I'm not, I'm not really loving where that team, the direction that team is going. Who do you think could lead that team in receiving, and do you like their offensive prospects this year? I like them at their price, actually. And the one name that I'm really liking, who I, hand to God, had – all kinds of notes on him. He was my pick. And then last night in preseason, he had his coming out party. So now it seems like, oh yeah, of course, Marquez Callaway. But I'm on Marcus Callaway's all, all offseason. I own him in a lot of best ball leagues, Joey, and I'm very excited about it. I think he's going to be their true number one. He fits the mold of a number one wide receiver. Last night he had two touchdowns, 104 yards. Mm. Uh, in games last year, 18 and 24 targets for 186 yards, nothing to shake a stick about. But he's a guy who, when he was on the field, produces. Traquan Smith is not going to be a thing. He 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 would have been already. He's right? the guy who makes plays when the play is. You know what I mean? They're bringing all the attention on this side of the field. Traquan Smith comes around the other side of the field and makes a play. You know what I mean? That's a classic yeah. wide receiver three move. Absolutely. If you're if you're talking about who could plausibly replace Mike Thomas, obviously no one, no one's that skilled. But I think. Marcus Callaway fits the mold better than anybody else they have. Now I'll be very interested to see as these weeks, as we get closer to the season, as cuts happen, there's going to be some good wide receivers that are floating out there. I think the saints do need to sign somebody. They might sign a tight end and a wide receiver. We'll see, but if they don't sign anybody right now, Marcus Callaway is basically free in drafts. I do think by the time you draft his ADP will rise, but to plausibly get a number one wide receiver, on a team is very hard to do in those very late rounds. This, is, this might be a volume play, you know, it might be not be an every week starter. And I like him a whole lot. If Jameis Winston is the quarterback, if Taysom Hill is named the starter, I don't want anybody. I don't even want Camara. Yeah. I, I, I'm going to run the ball. It's going to be weird trick yeah. plays. And it's I'm completely, <laughs> I'm completely bailing, but I think if there's one name to, to put in the back of your mind that maybe a lot of your home league buddies aren't even familiar with and probably won't be drafting, won't be thinking about Marquez Callaway. Just put that name back there. He's a guy this year who I think 
you know, the sky's a limit in the Saints offense for whatever that's worth. I think they are going to be a bad team, but that could also mean shootouts. It's definitely a division that they're going to have to put up points, especially against Tom Brady, especially against Matt Ryan. Who knows what the Carolina Panthers are going to look like, you know, for where you're getting him, he's worth the dark. Let me ask you this, because I think we're, I'm going to guess that we're both in agreement that we're not going to be targeting Michael Thomas to be on our fantasy teams at any point this year. I just don't think you can do it to yourself. So for, so for fantasy fans out there that, that are thinking about it, what round do you think is probably the appropriate place where you're like, okay, this is the earliest round where I feel like I'm getting a steal. This is a huge risk, but it also could be a huge game. The last round. I think that's really the only only appropriate answer is the last round because if it's not the last round and he never plays, which I think is 100% in the realm of outcomes, he may never play. Mm-hmm. This is a guy we're talking about. This could be injury related that this injury is like really weird and it could linger all season and they could just shut him down. The ankle has been yeah. lingering for over a year now. So yeah. I mean, this is not new. Then there's the mental aspect of this where this guy doesn't want to play on the saints he may never play on the Saints this year. He may get traded. Like, we don't know what's going to happen with Michael Thomas. Therefore, if you're selecting him in the 10th, 11th, 12th round, that's where this year's James Robinson is lying. That's where this year's, you know, Robbie Anderson is. Like, name a late-round guy that just, like, you could be. We know what Michael Thomas is. Why are you inviting that kind of risk onto your team in right now? He's going in like the 11th, 12th round. That's you're drafting him basically assuming that in six games, after six games, he's definitely going to play and he's definitely going to start producing like Michael Thomas. Well, and also on top of that, I don't think he's been designated to the IR just yet. I think they're kind of waiting on that. They might still do that in the coming weeks, which can maybe change some stuff because if your leagues doesn't, that has an IR slot, you can throw him on there and you can hop on the waiver wire and play around a little bit. But to your point as well, just keep in mind, fantasy fans, that you're taking him. That is a dead spot on your roster. There is usually, by every single year and every single league I've ever played in, there's a 95% chance of the dude that you take in the 12th or 13th round isn't going to work out. So not only do you have Michael Thomas on your team, you now have... And I like doing it. I sometimes like taking a chance, not on an injured player, but on a guy that I think might have a high ceiling because if I if I need to make some moves in the first couple of weeks of the season, which honestly is really kind of when you need to like decide. Be aggressive. Guys, yeah, when guys flash, when guys have potential early on in the season, you got to go in there and get those guys. I have no problem dropping the dude that I took some flyer on at the end of the draft because I want that roster flexibility. Michael Thomas um, – prohibits that roster flexibility because you're just going to sit there waiting and hoping and thinking and looking at the Q next to his name, looking at the P next to his name. Oh no, it's a D next to his name. It's not going to happen, you know? And and that's where I just think I'm going to stay away from him at all. If you do take him and it works out, hats off to you. Kudos. But I, I think, yeah, I'm with you, Dave. I, I, I agree with you that I just don't think it's going to happen. Um, I want to throw in something just really quick. Um, before we go to a would you rather round, Dave, uh, just real quick, Allen Robinson, Darnell Mooney. Um, we've talked about it on previous pods. Let's talk about it on the on the fantasy preview here. Hell yeah. You guys kind of having two different camps, right? Allen Robinson, proven veteran, number one receiver on the Bears, no doubt. Been looking good in practice, has not seen a whiff of the preseason. 
Um, and they've just kind of, you know, they're 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 bringing him along slowly because he's going to be ready when week one's around. Darnell Mooney hasn't played a lot in the preseason, but dude, every single day, every reporter that you talk to talks up how great Darnell Mooney looks. So per their value, Dave, which one are you targeting, and which one do you, are you maybe most excited about? For the first year, Joey, both. Ooh. Both. <laughs> Since the Alshon Brandon oh, Marshall days yes, of, yes. of six or seven years ago. Yes, because I, I, think, I think both of them are properly priced. Mm-hmm. Last year, I had Allen Robinson in my top 10 wide receivers. That was a little hot takey. He finished as the wide receiver 12, you know, in a pretty solid close, year. Pretty yeah, good call. Pretty, yeah. pretty, pretty close. And that's right where I think he'll finish this year. Here's the thing. I think Andy Dalton is good for Allen Robinson, bad for Darnell Mooney. I think Justin Fields is still pretty good for Allen Robinson and really good for Mooney. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. And the beauty is you're drafting Allen Robinson in the third round right now. He's going in in the mid, early third round. So hopefully by then you already have one wide receiver or maybe he's your top wide receiver. I don't love him as my top wide receiver, but he's just like, he's like drafting Keenan Allen. You know, he's a guy who doesn't have the biggest ceiling, but has a really safe floor. I mean, how many games have we watched as bears fans where it's like Allen Robinson is catching his 12th target of the game and everyone else has one or two. And that's because if you look at our depth right now, Joey, you absolutely roasted me in a chat for, for wanting Corey Davis, but it's just because we have no one outside of Darnell Mooney. Like we have no, we have whims. It's, it's just like Marquise uh, Goodwin doesn't do it for Bird, you. Demir Bird, Demir Bird. Like none of those guys. It's going to be a rotation in the third in the third wide receiver spot. So I absolutely love that you can get Allen Robinson in the third round. I think that's properly priced. And Darnell Mooney is a guy who is going to end up being your wide receiver five, maybe even wide receiver six. And that's exactly where he should be because you're not going to start Darnell Mooney right away. You got to kind of wait and see. And once Justin Fields start, you're not even going to start Darnell Mooney right away. There's going to be some bumps in the road. He's a rookie, but by season's end, you're going to want Darnell Mooney on your team. Mark my words, Darnell Mooney has the capability of being drafted as a wide receiver four or five, and ending the year as a wide receiver two range because he's second on the team. He could easily end up, you, you could make way for eight targets for Darnell Mooney if, we, if we're behind and we start throwing and Justin Fields gets cooking. And he's the guy that's like, you put in the flex and he's your home run. You know, he's, he's a poor man's Tyreek Hill, Deshaun Jackson. Like we're going to be running him down the field and he's going to catch an 80 yard bomb and you're going to go from losing to winning in in a matter of seconds it's going to be so fun yeah you you took the words out of my mouth to deshaun jackson because there's a plus and a negative to that of three catches for 66 yards and a touchdown you know the touchdown make turns it into a great fantasy day without the touchdown it kind of makes it a little bit closer to that boomer bust category and i'm really just curious to see how they utilize darnell mooney because all the stuff that they're talking about at training camp is how, what a great route. It's not just the speed. It's just him 
in the intermediate stuff, in the quick get off, in terms of the quick separation, can you just get the ball into this guy's hands? That's going to be on Andy Dalton. I think if if Bears fans want to look at, you know, if Andy Dalton plays terrible, we're all going to know it, right? But if he's sort of in that middle mediocre area, which I think Andy Dalton's lived in his entire career, I think how he interacts and how he gets the ball to Darnell Mooney is going to be one of those weird indicators to see, like, where are we in this offense? And does Andy Dalton take us to that next level? I think Darnell Mooney absolutely positively needs to be owned. Um, and I am i don't know if I want to jump up to get him, but as you mentioned, the price is just right, where if you wait a little bit, I think you can get him in an area that makes it really intriguing. And when you get down to that area, too, as well, I think you're dealing with a lot of rookies. I think you're dealing with a lot of veterans with name recognition that you're hoping can maybe do it one more time. And then you got the guys in the middle, and that guy is Darnell Mooney, who's in his second year, who flashed a lot of promise his first year, is killing it in training camp right now, has top-end speed, and can all of a sudden turn into whatever, a round 12 guy into you know what would be maybe next year a round 5 guy. And that's great value right there too as well. And I'm with you on Allen Robinson, pretty, pretty ho-hum. If I get two great running backs in the first two rounds and Allen Robinson is my first wide receiver, is he a wide receiver one? I don't know. But, again, he's pretty damn good. Wide receiver 1A, and with all the depth in wide receiver this year in fantasy, I think you can get yourself a nice collection. It also needs to be said, let's call it the elephant in the room. We may be talking about Allen Robinson in a way that doesn't really recognize the ceiling that Justin Fields could unlock. Could go down you want a house of horrors read off the list of quarterbacks that Allen Robinson has been able to maintain a top 12 fantasy wide receiver status with the, the just the worst of the worst. This is the best receiver in the league with the worst quarterbacks. Like he has, what he has done with so little is, is amazing. Therefore maybe, you know, we may be looking at Allen Robinson as this guy who's like a, you know, in the 10 to 12 range, but maybe who's to say Fields doesn't unlock the dominance that we know Allen Robinson is capable of with 10 targets a game. Yeah. And that's the hope. And that's the hope. And I'll tell you in training camp right now, Justin Fields yesterday did his most reps with the ones with Allen Robinson and Darnell Mooney that he's done throughout the entirety of training camp. And what I will say to that is I, I guess one of my fears is how they're going about it right now is that there might be a bit of a star-crossed situation with Allen Robinson and Justin Fields where I just think those dudes need to get reps, right? Like, they already commented that yesterday Allen Robinson, Justin Fields kind of overthrew him a little bit on a route, but it was one of those things where, like, if Allen Robinson and Justin Fields knew each other a little bit better, it probably wouldn't have happened, where maybe Robinson kind of slowed up and he doesn't know, you know, he doesn't get Fields' arm yet. So my worry is... If when field if and when Fields does get in the lineup, can they hit the ground running and can he have that rapport with Allen Robinson? Allen Robinson is so good that he might make it, like fake it to make it and make it look really good. But can they really truly get to that next level? That's what's going to be really interesting. And can they do that with Justin Fields taking backup reps while Andy Dalton continues to stay quarterback one? 
Let's take a quick break to talk about our brand new sponsor here on Bet on Chicago, Balance 7. So I don't know if you guys have heard, but apparently former NBA player Lamar Odom may be returning to professional basketball in Spain soon. I was recently reading a press release about how he started taking a pH-balancing alkaline supplement called Balance 7, and that has helped him bounce back from his hospitalization in 2015. Quote Lamar Odom, I have an enormous amount of energy, which is good for me. It's important when working out, I always need energy to level up, and I couldn't agree more with Lamar. And after watching him fight Aaron Carter in July's celebrity boxing match, I think it's safe to say that Balance 7 is working for him. Now here's the cool thing. We've got a promotion running with Balance 7 right now where if you go to their website, balance7.com, use the code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, at checkout, you'll receive a free four-ounce bottle of My Smooth Skin with any purchase of Balance 7 products. That product retails at $13.99, so I'd say you're getting a pretty good deal right there. So what are you waiting for? Head to balance7.com, use the code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, at checkout, and get in on this promotion while supplies last. I know I will, and if it worked on him, it can also work for you too. Balance7.com. Now, back to the pod. Dave, let's hop into the next game here. This is a game called Would You Rather. We just did a game where we try to find a one wide receiver in an offense, let alone two. This team, These teams have three that we like, whole from, like a lot from a fantasy perspective. It's an embarrassment of riches. So let's go through it, Dave, and let's talk about where these guys are going, who we like the most out of that group, and what value we like the most out of that group. We're going to start first with the Dallas Cowboys. As of right now, CeeDee Lamb's projected to be drafted in the third round, Amari Cooper in the fifth round, Michael Gallup in the 13th round after having just an abysmal season last year when all the bad things happened to the Cowboys last year. Michael Gallup honestly suffered the worst. So out of those three guys, who do you like the most, and who do you think has the best value? Most of the time, probably the more of these we go through and the more you ask me, I'm going to usually tend to go with the cheapest option. Mm-hmm. It's usually my go-to. If all three wide receivers are on a really good offense, give me the one who's the cheapest ADP wise. They'll return the most value. That but I am, a, <laughs> I am a sucker for CD lamb this year. Yeah. I am. They were I from the nineties. We love CDs, yeah. baby. We, <laughs> Wouldn't that be funny if that was his name? CD Compact Disc Lamb. That's his full name. This guy is the real deal. And we may not know what his ceiling is yet. Like we we could be looking at, we could be talking this time next year, Joey, and CD Lamb is easily a top five fantasy wide receiver. I think that's his ceiling. Last year was DK Metcalf. This year, if Dak is healthy and that offense operates in it, a slight modicum of what we thought it was going to operate like last year. I think CD lamb could be the talk of a lot of NFL circles this year. I think the better example is, is Calvin Ridley because Mm. I said last year, the beginning of last year that this was the year that Calvin Ridley was going to surpass Julio Jones as the one. And this year, Amari Cooper, sorry, pal. It's the CD lamb show now. Remember when they drafted CeeDee Lamb, everyone was like, oh, they don't need another wide receiver. Like, why are they choosing CeeDee Lamb? They need defense. They need a safety. You know, like everyone was upset that they drafted CeeDee Lamb. And all he did for them was produce. Now, he played 80% of his snaps, Joe, out of the slot last year. That is not where you utilize all of CeeDee Lamb's fun little tricks. I mean they're going to put more on the outside this year. And so we're going to see more of those big plays out of CD lamb. 
while they're still moving him in and out of the slot to get some of those really easy catches and those big yards after catch plays. This is a freak. If Dak Prescott plays all 17 games this season and CeeDee Lamb does as well, wheels up, baby. I'll take him in the third round, and I'll think about it at the end of the second if I've had a few beers. And, and, and here's what I'll say is, you know, I don't think I like Michael Gallup's value because of all the reasons that you just mentioned, because Michael Gallup is an outside receiver. And if they give CD lamb more opportunities, you know, look, if you look at the back of the NFL football card of Michael Gallup, you see a couple thousand yard receiving yard seasons, you know, you're like, okay, well this guy can really make it happen. And he's played well with Dak Prescott, but even in the 13th round, man, I don't know. He just might be kind of the odd man out. You know what I mean? Like it, literally the third wheel in an offense that's going to have a lot of other great choices. And even in the 13th round, I don't think I'd bite on that. I think it had, it ha- it have to be right around that range for me to me as weird as this sounds, cause it doesn't really make sense in, in a wide receiver core, but he's like a handcuff. He's like a real, he's like, he, he's, he's <laughs> like, point. like Tony Pollard, or, you know, his teammate. If Amari Cooper, who's already injured and apparently from the uh, fantasy medical community that I follow on Twitter, they think this is definitely an injury that can and will Wait, linger. Hold on, Dave. I just want to know you're getting the right information. You can't be going on to a fantasy medical community. They're just making shit up, Dave. <laughs> Joey, they told me the vaccine has trackers in it, and I believe them. I believe them. You can't. I'm worried about you. No, I meant, I meant like they, they, there's no, a lot of uh, great doctors out there that also play fantasy football. So they're, they're racking in the money right now, making sites that are just about the injuries of, of the NFL players. They said Amari Cooper's injury can and will probably linger. It will be something he'll be dealing with all year. Oh, God. Amari Cooper... a walking questionable for Amari Cooper, who already is a guy who drops one catch for six yards twice a year. Uh, no, thank you. Yeah. So, but the 13th round, if you pick Michael Gallup and one of those guys were to go down, you would have a top 15 wide receiver. I do think Michael Gallup is talented. I think if Michael Gallup goes to another team, he could easily be their wide receiver one, you know? Um, So I think for that reason, just as like a home run, but if you need a guy to start, I'm passing over Michael Gallup for a lot of the guys we'll probably talk about a little later. Joey, I want to throw one to you. Talk about another powerhouse offense super bowl champs the bucks as of now the adps are really close for evans and godwin depending on what site you're on they're going one run after the other sometimes it's godwin sometimes evans they're both going in the fourth round and then all the way back at the 11th round is antonio i will punch you in the face i don't care if it's practice brown whose adp do you like the most Antonio Brown can't have nice things, but I am going to go with Antonio Brown in the 11th round. That's that's a really interesting value for a guy that can become a flex option uh, in a standard league roster pretty quickly. Of course, him staying on the field is always going to be an issue, you know, not just from a health perspective, but from a mental mind and behavior perspective. But it goes back all the way to the time he played his first game with the Patriots and Tom Brady. They've got a chemistry, man. There's an unspoken language there. And now Brown's like, been through the offseason he's been through the training camp I mean they're probably as locked in as they've always been and I just think when the chips are down and there's a third and seven I kind of have a feeling Tom Brady's going to look Antonio Brown's way 
and they're going to figure something out. That's a couple extra receptions there that I really like a whole lot. Between Evans and Godwin, I'm sticking with Mike Evans. I like the talent more. I like the size. Give me that red. Zone, give me those red zone looks. I, he's also a dude that can kind of be a little boomer bust at times. Maybe the days of him catching 11 passes for 220 yards and two touchdowns, those huge games that he put up. Maybe that might not happen in Tom Brady's offense, but I still like the touchdowns. And Chris Godwin, you know, he could be a really interesting wide receiver too on your team. If it is a fourth round pick, you got two running backs. Maybe you take one wide receiver there. You get a Chris Godwin. I just think maybe his past numbers are going to be really hard to reach and therefore eclipse. Therefore, you always want to take a player that you think is going to have either an equal or a better season that they've had in the past. I don't like that for Chris Godwin. So I do like Evans and Brown's value the most. I'm not going to own any Chris Godwin and I'm not going to own any Mike Evans this year. Mm. I just think it's going to be very frustrating to own these guys. Therefore, I, like I said at the top, I'll take the cheapest option, Antonio Brown in the 11th. In 11 games played last year, uh, in, sorry, in 11 games where all three wide receivers played last year, Joey, Brown still managed a 20% target share and a 17.4% share of yards and touchdowns. I still think you're getting a piece of this offense um, and it's the cheapest piece. And therefore, if I'm throwing darts, might as well, you know, have the least amount of risk. And on top of it, from Antonio Brown's perspective and whether he can execute this or not is whatever, but this is honestly his last year. If he plays well this year, he can sign a contract with another team and get another bite at the financial apple. And he'll go to that other team, and by the end, they will hate him and kick him off the team. But this is kind of his last shot to maybe get that two-year deal, two-year $20 million deal from somebody. And this is the year that he really needs to show out, and he's got Tom Brady. So, And their roommates. Roommate <laughs> narrative. <laughs> their roommates. Which is terrifying. That's an absolutely terrifying uh, thing to contemplate. Dave, let's move on to uh, you know the Buccaneers who are uh, projected to go to the Super Bowl again for the second straight year, maybe defend their title. Let's talk about the Bengals. Uh, let's go to the other side of, uh, of the yard. Ooh. This one's really interesting. We got Jamar Chase, who got drafted in the first round. I believe he was sixth overall. They got T. Higgins, who finished up the year great. And then old faithful Tyler Boyd. Jamar Chase in the sixth round. T. Higgins in the seventh. Boyd in the twelfth. Jamar Chase, a lot of you know reports coming out of camp, even in those preseason games, having problems with drops, something that he did not have an issue with at LSU. Not off to a great camp, and it's to the point where people are actually talking about it, where he's not this rookie, you know, the rookie bumps and bruises. They're like, hey, what's wrong with this guy? So out of those three guys, who, whose value do you like the most? My favorite value is T. Higgins, mm. but I first want to address Chase. For all the fantasy football freaks out there, if you want a little tidbit, a little, little edge on all, all the people out there who are constantly looking at roto world and nbc and seeing headlines every single day from beat reporters it's like this person looks so great in camp this person looks so amazing in camp you can ignore all of that what you should definitely listen to is when negative news comes out of camp yeah because beat reporters jobs oh, are basically story and when yeah. something yeah when something weird comes out you're like oh when you start hearing a, a negative beat drum or drum beat over, over the the off season that's something you definitely want to pay attention to and I don't like what I'm hearing from Chase. And then the first preseason game, three targets, three drops. Like, 
he was yeah. open. And Joe and, Burrow's like he he's gonna make some big play. He's like he's guys he had to go out and like pump him up publicly. Yeah. Just and, and look, he might turn around. I think we're, what we're saying is he's a candidate to have a slow start, and you can't burn a six round pick on a guy who's gonna have a slow start. Yeah. The other sport I covered for a long time, Joey, for those of you that don't know, was mixed martial arts. I covered the UFC for four years. There is something to ring rust. Even the top of the top athletes, when you take time off, when you are not in live game action, so to speak, in your sport, it does something to you, not only physically, but mentally. Jamar Chase has not played a snap of football in over two years. He took last year off. I now think the game's stronger, the game's stronger, the game's faster, and the game's more complex. I think we're seeing that. And I think Jamar Chase, by the year's end, will be a fantasy starter. I think it'll be a fun flex play. But right now, he's being drafted as the top option on the Bengals. He is not. The top option on the Bengals is T. Higgins. I took his eight-game sample with Joe Burrow last year. He averaged eight targets for 75 yards and .5 touchdowns. I'll take that any day as my wide receiver two or wide receiver three. This is a guy going in the fifth and sixth round who showed great chemistry with Joe Burrow. Talk about the the drumbeat of the offseason. Everything out of Bengals camp is T. Higgins about to explode. T. Higgins, the number one. Joe Burrow, T. Higgins, match made in heaven. Really like that. Obviously, him and Chase were teammates. But again, it's it's about now. The NFL is a, a game of now. Like you could have been teammates two, three years ago and had chemistry back then. I'm not buying it if I'm not seeing it with my own eyes recently. I think T. Higgins is the value in a PPR league. I really like Tyler Boyd, but he's just a slot guy. Um, so you know, in a standard league, a half PPR league, I just don't think he's going to get those massive yard touchdown games. Um, but he's a solid player. I owned both T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd in a league last year and was able to start them on the same team. Well, I think what you're getting at too is, and this is why I like Tyler Boyd at that 12th round value is I think what we're getting at is, and you got to think long-term with this one, fantasy freaks, when you're making your teams out there, Tyler Boyd can be that guy that you can package in a trade after week three or week four, because in my opinion right now, if you're Jamar chase, I don't know if you're starting week one. I think the outside guys you know, I think you're going to see a lot of Tyler Boyd and a lot of T. Higgins out of out of the gate, and you are going to run Boyd in the slot a little bit. But I think some of those targets might go to Old Faithful Tyler Boyd right out of the gate. And if he could put up a couple of games of what seven catches, 89 yards, maybe add a touchdown here and there, you know, nothing that's going to be too crazy. But you're like, hey, Tyler Boyd's kind of working. You can automatically kind of package him in a deal, get him off your team pretty fast before you think Jamar Chase maybe elevates and takes his game to a next level. I like kind of buying in on guys like that. You know, I never want to get a guy that's too old, but sometimes a little veteran stability at the back end of your roster, especially in the 12th round, it can kind of do wonders for you, not just for your team, but also if he gets off to a good start, you can kind of get the trade talks going a little bit, and people can be like, oh, well, Tyler Boyd is good, and you can get him onto some other team, when he might only just be solid and not so great. Joey, I got a question for you. Yes. Are you are you alone right now in your house? Um, is, your, is your wife home? Uh, my wife is working in the living room diligently. Okay. okay. Um, okay. And my dog we, we is in be, bed. We, we, we could be quiet about this next one, but I, we're going to talk Steelers. Okay. Oh. 
We're going to talk Steelers, okay? I need to know, without getting her upset, without getting her upset, Deontay Johnson's going in the seventh. Yes. Juju Smith-Schuster, her her side piece, is going in the ninth. And I'm okay with it. It's 2021. (laughs) Ninth round is crazy. And Claypool is going in the eighth. That's what his ADP is. I feel like that's rising um, in the drafts I'm doing on Yahoo mock drafts. He's going more in like the seventh. Um, he's, dealing the with, he's dealing with a sprained ankle right now, which is interesting. Yeah. But. So you watch a lot of Steelers games because your wife is a huge, huge Steelers fan. I do. Sort this out for us. Talent-wise, it's Deontay Johnson. The coaching staff hates Deontay Johnson. I mean, they, they've they made him play with the twos and threes during the first couple of games of training camp. He's dealt with drops at times. Man, when he is on, from a PPR perspective, he is easily the choice. I mean, if you're talking about who's, out of those three guys, who's the most likely to give you 10 receptions in a game for 120 yards and a touchdown? It's Deontay Johnson. And from the seventh round, there's an easy case that you can make that, I don't know, maybe he's a wide receiver too light, but he's easily a flex option there. I'm really curious about that Juju Smith-Schuster value, though. I gotta be, I gotta be real with you. I was high on Chase Claypool last year. I loved him coming out of college. There's a couple of things though that I watched last year. He scored a lot of touchdowns, made some big plays. He's an athletic freak, but he's his route running. I think needs a lot of work. He had a little bit of a straight line mentality, a little bit. Where his route tree, I don't think his route tree just needs to get diversified a little bit more. He's going to be a great in the red zone, and he can go up and get it better than anybody else. He's a great 50-50 guy. From a fantasy perspective, though, he was always kind of a really tough call where he would definitely get you a touchdown, but what else after that? So if he's getting you those 10 to 12 points on a fantasy roster, awesome, but can he be that guy that gets you the 17, the 20, the 25? And I just kind of like they're all sort of in the same area. I sort of like Deontay Johnson a little bit more. The Juju Smith-Schuster thing kind of – is always very strange to me for whatever reason. It's not the point anymore where they're double teaming him. All right. It's not like they're not throwing to him because he's garnering so much attention on defenses. They just don't throw to the dude anymore. And he signed a one year deal for $8 million. I'm sure he would love to sign a long term deal with someone else. Can he become the guy to take the top off a of defense again and get that speed back? I'm a little skeptical there. I think all these guys definitely deserve to be on a roster. I think they all could be flex options. I kind of like Deontay Johnson by a hair, not by much. I think we're in total agreement on this one. Deontay Johnson is the pick for me. It's very hard to find a guy that's going to average 10 targets a game in the seventh round. I mean, like you said, that's wide receiver two numbers, and you're drafting him as a wide receiver three. Everyone talks about his drops last season. Yes, he led the league in drops, but here are the names right behind him on the list for most drops last year. Tyreek Hill. Alvin Kamara, Jerry Judy, DK Metcalf. Good players drop the ball because they get a lot of targets, guys. It happens in the NFL. It's not as sticky of a stat. It doesn't necessarily always carry over. In Matt Harmon's reception perception, Deontay Johnson ranked first out of all NFL wide receivers in success versus zone coverage. Ninth percentile as far as wide receivers concerned, as far as all the other coverages. He's a really good wide receiver. I don't know if the Steelers think that, as you said. Um, 
And just a quick thing on Juju Smith-Schuster, his A dot, Joey, his average depth of target, four point four. I literally yards. was going to say somewhere in the fours. It's crazy. They only run bubble screens with him. They only run maybe these quick little slants, like just give it to him and see if he can bowl over somebody. They ask him to block all the time now. Mike Davis, the running back, is four point six. Just so, just to like put that in comparison here. It's so weird. They don't even do this. So they used to run this uh, this little quick seam route where they uh, Ben would put it on the back shoulder. And Antonio Brown was great at it. And Juju was kind of learning from Antonio Brown to make that kind of catch. They don't even do that with him anymore. I kind of don't understand all of that. But, yeah, I mean, Deontay, the problem with Deontay's drops were they're just bad. He's, like, wide open. You know what I mean? It's like little giants. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it hits him in the hands and it looks comical. The old, the old Ben Robner. Yeah, the fan, <laughs> the fan base gets riled up. And then, um, so... We're going to move on to our last category in the on the wide receivers. Talk a little tight ends, defense, get ourselves yeah, out of here. Yeah, let's wrap it up. Um, on this next one, this is this is a group of guys who, you know, I don't think they're going to light the fantasy draft room on fire when you draft them. But here's the thing is these guys are the number ones on these teams. And somebody on these NFL rosters got to get 800-something yards for their team, maybe six or seven touchdowns. Their ADPs are fantastic. They might not be flashy. It might not be sexy. But you know what? These guys can actually really help your fantasy roster. It's basically the anti-Jerry Judy, um, Dave. And the only reason why I'm not bringing up Jerry Judy is I feel like everyone's talked about him so much, about how he's going to be this breakout candidate that no one's seeing. This is on the other side of the spectrum. So I'm just going to throw a list of names out to you. You mentioned him already, Devontae Smith on the Eagles. Someone's got to lead that team in receiving yards. Who's it going to be? Maybe the Heisman Trophy winner. Marvin Jones and the Jaguars. Trevor Lawrence, the quarterback. Every single year, Marvin Lawrence gets Marvin Jones gets it done. The Corey Davis-Elijah Moore combo on the Jets. Nelson Aguilar on the Patriots. Um, a Brandon Cook situation on the Texans. Some of these guys are going to lead their team in receiving, even though we might not like them as players, Dave. So which one do you like the most? And maybe which one do you think has the best value? I think they all have pretty fine value. If I'm being honest, this is a, a range of wide receivers that I'm excited about. If I'm looking for that wide receiver three, if I went, you know, running back heavy and got a great quarterback and tight end, and I really need to kind of fill out my wide receiver core, I'll take two of these guys because fantasy is a game about volume. You know, sometimes it's just about volume. Brandon cooks did it last year. Now I don't know who's going to be their quarterback. So I'm not really interested in that. And I got to talk about him, Joey, because you roasted me about him, but Corey Davis is going to be a thing. Oh, I thought He's... you were going to talk about his buddy. I thought no, you were going to no, talk no. about Elijah Moore. Well, yeah, yeah. You didn't name him on the list. I mean, he's my man to see. He's my, he's my rookie, like, Hail Mary play. But I'm, I'm not trying to tell people that name because we're in too many drafts together. I I'll want Elijah it. Moore. I'll cut it out. <laughs> but Corey Davis... It seems like Zach Wilson only has eyes for him in the preseason so far. It's like, you look at the, the box score so far and it's like, uh, you know, he's six for 10, all six catches to Corey Davis. They paid a lot of money for Corey Davis. When I said I wanted the Corey Davis on the bears, I didn't want them to spend this kind of money on Corey Davis. I'm glad we didn't get him, but 23 billion. That's a lot of money for a free agent wide receiver that never really got it done as a number one. But 
He was a guy who was drafted in the first round. We all loved Corey Davis coming out of college. I think it just took a little bit to get going. Guess who averaged more 100 receiving yard games than A.J. Brown? Corey Davis. That's a stat I looked up and was like, double-taked? Wait a minute. Yes, Corey Davis had more 100-yard games than A.J. Brown last year as the number two. This is, again, about volume. Like, where are all the targets going? Probably Corey Davis. They don't really have a, a good receiving tight end. I'm not buying the Tyler Croft hype or I'm not doing the Chris Herndon thing again. He's just a guy you can get in very late rounds that I think you could probably start every week and is going to average around six catches, 60 to 80 yards. And when he falls in the end zone, you're going to be super stoked about it. He's not going to win you your league, but he's not going to lose you your league. So if you just need to kind of like, you know, put your thumb in the hole on the boat to keep it afloat, I think Corey Davis is a really solid option, not a very high ceiling on the guy. I'm going to throw out one more player, and I'm just going to correct you on something. You said Nelson Aguilar is going to be the number one wide receiver on the Patriots. I say nay. Jacoby Myers and company? It's going to be Jacoby Myers. He's my sneaky, sneaky, late, late, late round, last pick of your, your draft, unless you're drafting with Patriots fans. 23% six target share last year. He was the wide receiver one last year. Yeah. He had the yards. He just didn't have the touchdowns. When he played, he looked the part. He's He gets open. This is a guy who has a really nice, like, uh, wide receiver build. He fits the role. I'm not buying that the Patriots are going to be as bad as last year. I just don't think Bill Belichick – he's either – the evil genius or he's not. I think he is. I'm in that camp. I think they're going to figure it out. I think it's going to be Mac Jones by week six, week seven. And that's even better for Jacoby Myers, a guy you're not going to be starting right away because you're going to pick him up the last pick in your draft. But in the 15th, 16th round, I dare you to find a guy that's going to get a 23% target share on his team. I, I just, even if they're bad, that still benefits you in fantasy. Even if they're in garbage time, that still benefits you in fantasy. And I think within the first four weeks, you'll know. That's the beauty about Jacoby Myers. You can draft him and you'll know. You'll go, oh, actually, it's Nelson Aguilar. I'll just drop it. You know, it's yeah, the, you're gonna... the rotation roster piece that you don't feel like you're the dumbest person in the world if you move on from him early because that's the last thing you want to do through your first, what, 10 rounds of your picks. Beyond that, if you move on from someone pretty early, then, then, then you're fine. And, yeah, in terms of Corey Davis, I mean, it's just one of those tried and true things of like, where do the Jets throw the ball on third and seven when they're in the red zone and it's third and goal? You know, who throws the jump ball? Who gets the jump ball? You know what I mean? And I love Elijah Moore's talent, but it's going to have to be more of a, a splish splash kind of thing. He's going to have to flash every once in a while. Can they count on him over and over again? And Corey Davis, they paid him the bag. So maybe it's time to sort of find out. I do like your call with Kobe Myers had a great training camp last year. You know, it's been bursting on the scene for a little while, kind of making it, making it, making his way up there. My favorite out of that group is Marvin Jones. And it's been a lo it's been a weird relationship with me and Marvin Jones for a while where you're like, I can't believe I own Marvin Jones. And then you're like, I can't believe Marvin Jones is doing this on my fantasy team to I'm not going to draft Marvin Jones to I'm going to pick up Marvin Jones. And every single year, he's just a guy that makes plays. He's a veteran. He's got length. He can go up and get the ball. He's playing with a rookie, Trevor Lawrence who I think is perhaps one of the better quarterbacks Marvin Jones has played with because I'm sorry, Matt Stafford has been injury compromised the last couple of years. 
and I think he's going to be a great safety valve for Trevor Lawrence. I think when when times get tough, I think he's going to be the dude to go to. And Marvin Jones has also proved that he's been able to play with shitty quarterbacks and still earn fantasy points at the exact same time. Dave, we've got to hit tight ends here. Do we have to? We have to, Dave. Let's start Let's start with this fun one, though. Um, is Cole Komet going to be owned this year? Should Cole Komet be rostered at drafts? And if he isn't, do you think he will be on a roster at some point this year? I don't think he should be on rosters to start this season. Mm -hmm. I do think he will end up on rosters. Cole Komet is a guy I'm really excited about in fantasy next year. Ooh, okay. I think next year we're looking at Cole Komet, top 12, tight end for sure. I think he could be the Bears' third option. Jimmy Graham, though, for all the warts he has. He's going to steal stuff from him. He got targeted way more than I thought when I looked into the numbers last year, especially in the red zone. Jimmy Graham, do you want to speak about fantasy, finished as the number 11 tight end in fantasy last year, which just goes to show you how bad the position is. And to be very fair about Jimmy Graham real quick, uh, he did most of that in September. Um, yes. If you go, if you go through it, mo- most of his touchdowns came in September. He really, he has a hard time getting he, at his age and whatever, just his legs and stuff. He has a hard time getting through a full season. So again, this could be very similar this year. See a lot of Jimmy Graham in September. Ask yourself what's going on with Cole Komet. But by season's end, I think maybe Cole Komet will be the guy. Yeah, and I, and I think Cole Komet will have the kind of tight end season that. All tight ends not named Kittle, Kelsey, Waller will have, which is four catches for 40 to 50 yards. And if they fall in the end zone, it's a good fantasy day. If they don't, you hate the position. And that's what it's going to be. Like, it's just, he's not going to be a guy who puts up 100 yards. He's not, he's not Hawkinson. He's not Waller. He's not that kind of uh, tight end. I think he's really good. I think he's going to be really good for the Bears. I think he's going to be a better real life tight end than he is a fantasy tight end and i think next year when we get rid of jimmy graham finally we're gonna really like cole Komet, and maybe uh, hopefully we have alan robinson on the roster but if it just ends up being mooney we could be looking at cole Komet as our number two you mentioned a guy just now and he's probably the guy that i'm most excited about and it's tj hawkinson this is a guy who each year has gotten a little bit better I believe he had six touchdowns last year and everything out of training camp is this guy is head and shoulders, the best offensive player that they have. And with Jared Goff, a big problem with him through training camp and also in the past. And I think why he fell out of favor with the Rams was I think Sean McVay wants to run a little bit more of a downfield style of offense, which Goff will try and do, but they kept scaling it back as the season would go along. If you look at his yards per attempt, Jared Goff, they slowly they start in like the nines and by the end of the year they're down in like the sevens. So like McVay loses trust. He starts, you know, having more checkdowns. And I think Jared Goff, honestly, is going to be in that position from the jump this year, like week one, just check down. Nothing downfield, none of that business. They got Tyrell Williams and Brashad Perryman. Who knows who the number one receiver is gonna be on that team? Who? It could be who? seriously, Brashad Perryman. Who? Uh he was the guy <laughs> he was who? the last guy. The, uh, the Jets gave a bunch of money to before they gave a bunch of money to Corey Davis, and they're just going to run it back again. And uh, who knows? Monron St. Brown could be the best offensive player on the Lions. Who knows? It's not going to be great. 
But I think TJ Hawkinson is one of those dudes. Isn't isn't it weird where like is there an inverse thing, Dave, where shitty teams it's okay to target tight ends on shitty teams? You know, we're always talking about get good guys on good teams. Is there something to be said about target tight ends on shitty teams? Because that's where a lot of the production goes. Yes, and I think it fits into what I was saying, which is follow the volume. Mm-hmm. I mean, who's the number one option on the Lions? It's probably TJ Hawkinson. You know those charts they have for quarterbacks where they show you where like they target the most on the field and it'll be like, you know, like it'll, it'll be the red spots. Like you're looking for the red spots is like, yeah, yeah. you know, Stafford really spreads it around. Well, when you look at Jared Goff, Goff's chart, it's just the middle of the field is literally just on fire. It's so red. And then everything else is green. Mm-hmm. That's, that's why Cooper Cup is a household name. That's why Gerald Everett was able to get a really nice contract with the Seahawks as the number two tight end. That's why we know the name Tyler Higby. Jared Goff targets the middle of the field. That's his bread and butter. And that's all Anthony Lynn and, and, and Dan Quinn are going to be asking of him. That's, that's, that's going to be the Lions offense. And so who's that going to be? TJ Hawkinson. Now, the one thing that scares me about TJ Hawkinson is, like I said before, a tight end is either a couple catches and some yards and the touchdown is what makes them you got to have the touchdown or not. Yeah. I don't know what to expect. I really don't. I really don't know what to expect touchdown wise from the lions. It's one of the reasons I am off of Deandre Swift. I don't know how often they're going to be down there. I don't know how many opportunities Hawkson is going to have. My guess is when they get down there, it will be Hawkinson. My worry is Hawkinson's going to have 1,100 yards and like four touchdowns. And that would honestly, in tight ends, probably still make him tight end four. Um, but I don't know if I want to pay a, let's see, ADP fifth round price for him. Yeah, that's what's going to be really interesting because obviously Travis Kelsey is going to go pretty early. Someone's going to make what I what I would deem a mistake on George Kittle, not that he's a bad player, but I think he's, again, valued way too high for a guy that struggles to stay on the field. And I think Darren Waller is going to go pretty high. In terms of sure things, though, Hawkinson seems to present one of the few options at the tight end position because I think we both feel confident that, at the very least, he'll probably set a career high in receptions, perhaps receiving yards, and maybe he can get you those touchdowns. And that might be enough in the tight end slot, Joe, to win the your matchup each week. Just even having Hawkinson, I think, puts you at that much of an advantage over someone who's starting an Irv Smith, a Cole Komet, well, you know. And every and every other guy in this list, Mark Andrews, right, was the rising star of the tight end community, completely crash landed back to earth last year. Logan Thomas is basically the the version of Mark Andrews that we think, you know, he's the next guy on the come. Will that actually happen? Uh, you know, can he actually make that happen? Tyler Higby, you know, when Gerald Everett's not in the lineup, he looks pretty darn good, but hasn't done it for a long stretch of time. Where are you on Mike Kosicki? I mean, you love Tua. You like this Miami Dolphins offense. You've been a big Kosicki guy in the past. Do you think that he can fit in with all these other weapons, or is he a little bit more marginalized now? Yeah, I think he's very marginalized, and I really don't like what I've seen out of preseason, Joey. Adam Shaheen has been running more, remember that name? is running more routes than Mike Kosicki and is getting targeted a lot. I think they're going to end up 
I think they're going to end up in two tight end sets a little bit with Will Fuller being suspended. The rest of their receiving core not really shaking out great. Uh, beyond Will Fuller, I think Gasecki is going to have some big weeks and some really quiet weeks. The one stat I do like is he averaged a full target and a half more when Tua was playing as opposed to when Fitzpatrick was playing. Mm-hmm. So I do like that, and that's also something to put in the back of the head when drafting Logan Thomas, is Fitzmagic isn't a checkdown guy. He's not too much of a tight end guy, never has, never has produced a top 10 fantasy tight end under Fitzpatrick. Um, so I like Gusecki. I like where he's going right now as like the tight end 12. I We said it on our Rotoballers show, if I miss out on the big four or five tight ends i'm waiting and i think i'm grabbing two out of the list of what you just said if i'm grabbing gasecki i won't feel great as he's my only tight end i'm gonna grab someone else as maybe we'll get to just because i feel like in the first four weeks i'll be able to tell by snap count and targets who will be the most consistent and then i'll just drop the other yeah and if you're in the position where you're throwing darts you know you do take the logan thomas the tyler higby Anthony Ferkser on on the Titans, a guy like that. Maybe that is that great point where if you take that second tight end, keep in mind, whoever works out, great. The other one you could just move on from and get the next hot RB or the next wide receiver that's out there and maybe fill out your roster that way. Another deep sleeper, the guys that you mentioned, you know, I'm looking at a guy like Mo Ali Cox on the Colts. Real deep. Super deep, but here's the thing, right? Carson Wentz. Yeah. Dallas Goddard, Zach Ertz. I mean, he loves throwing to those tight ends. Mo Ali Cox is an offensive first tight end. He's a guy that might be able to get you some value. Maybe, and again, I don't know if he's a season-long option, but if you're like, hey, look, I don't want to do anything at tight end. I'm going to punt until the very last couple of rounds. Trust me, you can take Mo Ali Cox whenever you want to. Okay, that, that is definitely possible. Another guy also is uh, the rookie Friar Muth on the Steelers. Every single year, the tight end is a major part of the fabric of their offense, too, as well. That could be an option. And I want to throw one more name out there. We talked about him getting a nice contract with the Seattle Seahawks. They paid up to get him, and he's going as like the 14th, 15th tight end. Gerald Everett, who could easily slot in as the third target on the Seahawks, an offense I talked about, Shane Waldron coming over from the Rams. Mm-hmm. He's he wanted Gerald Everett. This is the guy that made Gerald Everett a household name on the Rams. Seattle Seahawks, they go get him. Look, Greg Olson was fantasy reliable last Jake, year. Jacob Hollister. Jacob Hollister. Will Disley. Uh, uh, um, why am I blanking on his name? Uh, uh, Zach, somebody who was on the Raiders and then ended up in Seattle for a while and was like fantasy relevant. Exactly. Who? Gerald Everett could <laughs> easily be. <laughs> yeah, Gerald Everett with Russ Wilson. Sign me up as a dart throw, um, just late, late rounds. If you're grabbing two guys, one of them I'm doing in many, many leagues is going to be Gerald Everett. Yeah, and it's this situation of, you know, again, with the Anthony Ferkser kind of pick, it's almost not even like a talent pick. You're just kind of looking at what offenses feature the tight end and not just feature the tight end, but have had past success with it. And as you mentioned, a great call with the Seahawks is they've had success with three or four different guys. So it doesn't really matter. You know what I mean? Like, is you're going to overdraft on Kyle Pitts. You can maybe find something that can get the job done far later, have a really strong roster and a tight end that's in a system that actually works and maybe get you in there. Because honestly, as you mentioned before, it really does come down to touchdowns with tight ends, right? I mean, target shares and all that stuff. We can play that game all day long, but 
who's the guy that's going to randomly catch six or seven touchdowns out of an offense? That's kind of what we're looking for. Dave, we're going to wrap up on this. Just hit defenses real quick. Um, yeah. Every year, this is kind of a grab bag. It's kind of like a baseball bullpen. There's some teams that, you know, you can really kind of hang your hat on. I think it's safe to say there's teams like, you know, the Ravens are there every single year. The Buccaneers are getting a lot of the probably due credit after they, you know, took down the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl. Steelers are back to full strength. They're going to be a good defense. But nothing that's really going to separate everyone from from the mix. My question for you is, I was looking on this list. I think I went to Fantasy Pros. Cleveland Browns are ranked 14th. Bears are ranked 16th. Um, is that appropriate to you? And for the Bears, is that a slap in the face? Are the Bears not a defense in a 12-team standard league that you should be owning this year? I think they're right at that range. You know, I don't think they should be taken the way they were taken in years past. Is it the schedule, or do you think it's some more of like just the erosion, a little deterioration of the talent a little bit? I think it's a little of both. I think both are working against us. You named it. We have a really brutal schedule against some high-powered offenses as well. I mean, I think our our offense is going to have a tough time against some of these defenses, but all those teams also have great offenses. Yeah, after week four, I think it's going to be like a six-week stretch of just red matchups for defense. But I really like the Browns. Yeah, weird. I I think the Browns could be a top-five defense in real football and in fantasy. They have nothing but playmakers. They have nothing but a dominant defensive line. They're going to have a lot of sacks. QBs are going to be very pressured. Uh, they're going to get to play the Steelers twice. <laughs> they're going to play the Bengals. Cincinnati Bengals twice. They're going to just blow through their O-line, man. The Joe, Joe, Joe Burrow is that, – that's a topic for a different day. But Well, and also the, that, that division is playing the NFC North this year. So that means also I, – I don't have the schedule in front of me, but the Browns are probably going to play the Lions. Yep, enough. And I think neither of us are really super psyched about the Vikings nope. um, and where they're at right now even if they do have some amazing off, uh, explosive offensive weapons on their team. So yep. yeah, Browns at 14th, I found to be, that's a pretty tasty number. And I hope people are kind of thrown off the scent of them. And maybe in those last two rounds, I can just walk up to the board and not think about it and maybe just take them. Yeah. I, that's what I'm doing this year. I always select a defense in the last two rounds because I'm a streamer. Sometimes I get to that last round and I just look at my sheet and I go, oh, they're they're ranked the best, and I select them, and then I end up dropping them before even week one because I realize there's just a better matchup to play than the than the defense I thought was going to last me a couple games. One defense I'll throw out, and I'm only saying that I feel I don't want to say it because then people are going to take them in our leagues, Joey. But tell me if you like this schedule from a defensive standpoint. Week one, Giants. Week two, Jaguars. Week three, Jets. How about those were the first three weeks? Ooh, that's a that's a tasty little start there. Who is that? That is Fangio's Denver Broncos, my man. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Von Miller back, Chubb, Justin Simmons is a tremendous safety. Kyle Fuller's in there and Fuller's on the team. Yeah. They're just a team that I'm look, I'm gonna pick with the I don't I'm not going to think about it. I'm just at the last pick of my draft. If 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 I've decided to wait that long on defense, I'm in a weird draft spot. I'm going to pick the Denver Broncos and know for 3 weeks I don't got to use my waiver priority or any fab budget on a defense and for 3 weeks I like my chances. Uh Daniel Jones, that's a green light matchup for sure. Mm-hmm. Turnovers galore. 
probably worst offensive line in football. Jags, rookie quarterback, Etienne's out. We'll see how Trevor Lawrence does, but he already got sacked quite a few times in the preseason. And then another rookie, Zach Wilson with the Jets. So I I just like my chances there. That's a really easy layup kind of one. Uh, Dolphins, I also like. They have some pretty good matchups in the yeah. first three weeks. They were a solid defense last year, but honestly, I think you should be streaming defenses this year. Yeah, that's a great that's a great start slate. Yeah, I mean, I'm. It's hard. It's hard unless I mean you really like kind of hit on like one or two defenses where you keep them all the year all the year through. Um, I don't think I like the Bears defense this year as a value even at sixteen. I will say, if you want to, you know, just make sure you don't jump up and do anything crazy. But if it is in those last couple rounds when you're taking kickers and defenses, if you want to take the Bears defense, that's fine because I actually don't mind the first four weeks. Rams, Bengals, Browns, Lions. That's not bad. I can live with that. I can definitely live with that from the perspective of starting off the season. I will say, though, though, if you're a Bears fan and you take the Bears defense, you got to have a conversation with yourself because after that I would go into the streaming market and try and start playing the matchups a little bit. Because, again, with the defenses, it's hard to tell what the great defenses are. It's also great to tell who the good teams are in the NFL on a year-to-year basis. All of a sudden, what looks like a red matchup can turn into a green matchup and vice versa as you move along. And then that's when the real homework kind of comes into play a little bit. I'm going to throw another team out there real quick. The Chargers. They got tons of talent on that defense from Bosa all the way back to Derwin James in the back. Who knows what happens if they can kind of get back into the mix and start sacking the quarterback, start picking up some interceptions. Derwin James. I mean, he's. I, I love him. Yeah. He's legit. And I really, really like their coach, Brandon Staley. I just. I've seen some clips of him. He was mic'd up during their, they have their own little web series, the chargers bolt up. Um, yeah. And I just, I just like the guy. He kind of reminds me of Sean McVay defensive minded guy. I think he can really turn, turn the team around. Yeah. And you've got other teams out there too. Like, you know, the Washington muskrats and you got the Buffalo bills and the Miami dolphins, you know, 49ers are in the mix too as well. So I, I just think that, I don't know if there's a number one with a bullet on the board this year going into the season. I think the Steelers are probably one of the few teams, maybe the Rams, maybe the Ravens, that you grab them and you're like, I don't need to worry about this team for the rest of the year, but that's pretty much it. Let me ask you this, Joe, to end this. Mm -hmm. Who are you picking first, Bears defense or Santos? (laughs) Who's coming off the board first? You know what, dude? I can't – I don't even think – I was living in LA the last time I took a bears kicker. I'm going to be real with you. That has been so off my menu for so long. I love Cairo Santos. He hit a 52 yarder. What in the first preseason game? Good for him. Happy about that. Uh, Bears kickers and me, they do not mix from a fantasy perspective. So in that particular case, I would probably go bears defense first before I went to Cairo Santos. What can I say? I'm a will Lutz man every single year. He's on IR, I think. I think he broke his leg. Oh, stop it. He'll come back, Dave. Sorry, buddy. I'm going to draft him and resurrect him right off that IR. Well, you know me. If my kicker's not wearing glasses to kick, I won't draft him. Give me Rodrigo Blankenship (laughs) every day of the week, buddy. Exactly. No, Will Lutz on IR, that just means he's on the incredibly rad list. That just I get you. 
Dave, uh, we ran the gauntlet. We did the gamut. We did the marathon. This was part two of our Fantasy Football Preview 2021 edition. We are ready to roll, Dave. And by the time these are released, we will just be a couple days away from hopping into our own draft rooms. My fantasy consigliere, my tutty guy. Dave, any final words? Great to have you, man. Oh, this was so fun. I could talk fantasy with you all day. In fact, I will talk fantasy with you all day, every week on our show, The Checkdown on Roto Ballers. Everyone should check it out. Uh, and do uh, do socials, Twitters. Uh, it's Dave Raspoli. I tell you guys, the people good know, know how to check out your content. Yeah, uh, if you're following me for fantasy football, you should follow me at Tutty Guys. Uh, I recently revived the account because I want to do all my fantasy football hot takes in one place. That's where you can find me. There you go. Ladies and gentlemen, this was Bet on Chicago with Joy Christopoulos. Today's episode is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. Head to that website because you get a 50% welcome bonus in your first deposit. Also brought to you by Balance 7 PH Supplement. Believe is giving you guys a great deal right now to get on all those great products. Thank you for listening to this pod. we got plenty more coming. It's a football season, so we're going to be talking more gridiron soon. Thank you for listening to this pod. Until then, be well, be safe. Please be good to each other. We will talk again soon. And remember, when in doubt, always bet on Chicago. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.